0: Welcome to the Bible for Kids podcast with your hosts, best-selling children's author, Amy Parker, and author and co-creator of VeggieTales, Mike Naraki. If instilling biblical values in kids is important to you, this podcast will help give you the resources, wisdom, and hope to do just that. Now let's join our hosts, Amy and Mike, for this week's episode. Hi, this is Mike and Amy at the Bible for Kids podcast, and today uh, we have a very special guest, Phil Vischer. Um, who who you may know better as Bob the Tomato. I don't know if you can can do a little shout out there as Bob, Phil.
1: Hi, kids. I'm Bob the Tomato. (laughs) And he's also Phil Fisher. (laughs) I'm calling in from a remote location.
0: (laughs) And (laughs) undisclosed. (laughs) So so this is Phil the Bible for Kids podcast. And you and I have known each other for, you know what? I, I was doing the math. It's 35 years now. We met... Uh, our freshman year of college in nineteen eighty four in September. So it's just a couple months shot of, of thirty five years. That
1: feels like a long time. <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> does,
0: doesn't it? And um, and and we met in the context of of teaching the Bible to kids. And um, uh, <laughs> if you
1: could Loosely called. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: we so oh, oh, you could totally call it that. And you know, we get it. We get asked about Veggie all the time, but but I want to go. I want to go before veggies. Be uh, so that would be BVT, right? In in the yes. yeah, the <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. and I want. I want to. I want to talk it about the puppeting like days. A brand of
1: men's underwear,
0: but <laughs> 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 yeah. So so this is our before puppeting or before Veggie days, which were our puppeting days, which is where we met. So. How and why did you get into puppeting in the first place? So let's let's start there.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I am an introvert. I uh, like the idea of entertaining people. I don't like the idea as much about being seen by them. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I liked to hide behind things and then act silly through other objects. Um, and I was walking through my, my grandpa Vischer took me on a business trip with him. And we were in a hotel, I think, in Chicago. He took me into the gift shop, and I'm probably five years old. And they had a little rack of hand puppets in the hotel gift shop, and he let me pick one out. And I bought it, and I brought it back to Muscatine, Iowa, from the the big city. Um, And then I remember just sitting in the living room with this little hand puppet on my arm and then going behind the couch and sticking the hand puppet up and trying to entertain my parents. And I thought that was really cool. And then my favorite TV show a few years later was The Muppet Show. So I just, I love The Muppet Show and yeah. wanted to work for Jim Henson when I grew up and make puppets and do puppetry. So that actually came before uh, my real introduction and love of animation.
0: And how old were you when you, when you donned your first puppet? I think about Five. Five. Wow. Wow. That, that yeah. is that, a prodigy. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh yeah.
1: I, I didn't say I was good. I just, I, I
0: just <laughs> said, said you, were, you were five. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember I actually, I fell in love with the the Muppet show before I, I turned to puppetry. Um, that wasn't until uh, I got involved in the children's ministry at church. We had an older lady, um, uh, um, Elda was no, it wasn't Elda, it was Alda. Alda uh, came to me and asked, Yeah, yeah, asked uh, if I would help out in children's church. They were just Doing this new show uh, with a really creative name, kind of like Sesame Street, but it was called Caraway uh-huh. Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one would notice. And nobody <laughs> would notice. But it was the same thing, you know, they built the set, so some of the men at church who, you know, were good at carpentry built this set and you know, we put on this puppet show every morning for Sunday school kids and you know, and then Steve, um,
1: you started out doing puppetry in a social team context. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I was just
2: behind was the just
1: couch. I myself behind
0: the couch. <laughs> 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 oh man. Well, and that that worked out for us too when we got to school because I remember um and and I I'm I'm an introvert too, maybe a little less of an introvert than you, but still I'm I'm fairly introverted and so I always felt I, same thing. I loved entertaining people, but, um, you know, for me, it was always, I was always so tall and gawky that, you know, if, if people could not, you know, and, and at that age, you kind of want to fit in, you know, so like being so right. much taller than everybody else, it's like, no, I love making people laugh, but if they don't have to look at me, I'll feel a lot better about that. So puppetry was great right. for that. But then, yeah, so we got going on, on puppets and, uh, uh I, I use your, your, uh, your quote all the time in terms of, uh, roaming the Minnesota countryside, scaring the Baptists. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. That's how it all started. Because we got to I got to Bible college and I'm looking at all the requirements and one of the requirements is you have to do a service project. And I'm like, Oh no, what this is gonna make me talk to strangers or something <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they have a whole list of things you can sign up for and I'm you know, I'm looking at street witnessing in the inner city. Uh, no, uh, you know, visiting the elderly. No, which one doesn't involve making eye contact with anyone. <laughs> you know, I get down to the bottom and there's the puppet team. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, they have a puppet team? That's fantastic. <laughs> and it would count as credit. So I, w- I went and auditioned and uh, I think I passed my audition and then I'm waiting to see if I'm in or not, and uh-huh. two other guys come into audition, and one of them is really tall, and the other one is shorter and rounder, <laughs> and they're from Colorado, and one turns out to be Mike Naraki, and the other is <laughs> Eric Bangaman, who... We all become fast friends and we all make the puppet team, which was very exciting until we learned that everyone who auditioned made the puppet team.
0: (laughs) It wasn't hard as hard to get on as the football team we found. (laughs) Just only slightly easier. (laughs) Well and in in puppetry when the bar is low that makes it difficult for me just because I have to squat more.
1: It was funny though because you have a you have a little um you put it in the van your little stage which is made out of P V C pipes that you, you stick together and put a curtain over. You throw and and the stage is a certain height, which people are different heights. So we had Mike on the puppet team who was six four or so, and then we had Kay Berkner who was about four eleven. <laughs> and they're both a, supposed a, to stand a, Amy the just, curtain.
0: Amy just raised her hand, by the way, because that, that's about her. That's about uh, her fear oh, her right there. Okay.
1: So, yeah. So Mike had to kind of kneel or bend over, and we had to get a box for, for Kay. But it, it all Kay had to make the team because she came. She was the only one who came to Bible College with her own box of very professional puppets <laughs> that, were, that were actually higher quality than the school's puppets. So if we wanted to use Kay's puppets... Kay had to be on the team.
0: <laughs> it's a good way to be on the team.
2: <laughs> do you remember yeah. your puppet character? Like Mike is always being stopped and asked to do his Larry the Cucumber voice, and I'm sure you get the same thing. Do you remember your puppet character from college? Yeah, we had
1: a we had a few of them. Um, Mike's, you know, Mike's main character was Soupy, <laughs> who mm-hmm. turned out to be. Larry the Cucumber's voice for the first two years until he changed it to something else.
0: Yeah, Soupy um, sounded <laughs> low and dopey and had a lift.
1: So if you watch it...
0: Yeah. yeah, if you watch your early veggie Tales, that's what Larry's like. And it pains me so much to hear that in <laughs> the early Veggie Tales. Yeah, but like, that's
1: still the, the yeah. theme song, Larry. Did we re- redo that at some point? I think we... it was the
2: G-Bub.
0: Yeah, no, we did do that. We re- redid that after a while, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: Okay, I so he little, was Soupy. I remember
1: I did a little furry guy that, that completely ripped up my voice. Uh Uh (laughs) Oh, kind of a Grover
0: kind of character.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Grover thing and he was singing I am a promise, I am a possibility I am a promise with a capital P Uh really loud and Uh then I would have to go lie down afterwards
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man and I remember we would uh, hide under the bleachers at basketball games Uh, you know we'd be under the bleachers and our puppets would be above the bleachers and we'd cheer on the game That's right. It was such a great way to impress the girls wasn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah yeah it worked it really really
0: worked (laughs) Oh man well so so, uh, we'd love to just kind of talk about this as 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 mission. And did you feel called to minister to kids in particular at that at the, at a, at a certain age? And you know, so maybe just talk about God leading you into storytelling as maybe you know your idea of a career or ministry, even.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I bumped into animation shortly after puppets and and started doing stop motion animation with GI Joes and Legos, and that was at about eight or nine years old. Um, I come from a family with very strong evangelistic uh, tendencies. I, I've got a lot of missionaries in my family. My my uh, great-grandfather on my mom's side was, uh, we think, the first non-denominational radio preacher in America who preached on the radio from 1923 till 1964 when he died. Uh, so I, I grew up hearing stories of missions and I have a relative who was the first white person into a section of Urian Jaya and brought the gospel to cannibals literal actual cannibals so I kind of grew up you know with this notion that you need to do something big for God what's what are you going to do and the options were um, pastor missionary or successful businessman who gives a lot of money to pastors and missionaries. <laughs> right, and, right. And that was like it. Those were the models. Right. You know, so some people in my family were the missionaries, others were the pastors, and others were the successful businessmen that supported them. Right. And you know, so pick Phil. What's it? What's it <laughs> yeah. Be? Yeah. And and I was really confused about that because I was so shy, but I wanted to. I wanted to. You know, I wanted to share the gospel. I wanted to. Uh, tell people about God but without actually like talking to them <laughs> person to person <laughs> or, or or traveling outside of a ten mile radius of my house. <laughs> and um, your favorite blanket. And my favorite blanket <laughs> and my puppets in the basement to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's <laughs> amazing my how real friends
2: it's amazing how those were your Those were your criteria, and God made that work out. That's just amazing to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I was watching um, when I was a sophomore in high school. Our neighborhood in in Glen Ellyn, Illinois, was wired for cable, and suddenly instead of four channels, we had 42 channels of entertainment, (laughs) and one of them was MTV that had just turned on the year before. And I was watching music videos on MTV. In the early days of MTV, the music videos were just amazing, lots of experimental animation, and it was like a film festival, you know, 24 hours a day. So I'm just watching this, thinking this is so cool, but I'm also thinking, gee, the values that are coming across in MTV music videos – are not the values I learned in Sunday school <laughs> <Not> um, <quite. laughs> and, and in many cases they are like the exact opposite, so I thought if everyone my age, sophomore in high school, is sitting around uh, watching MTV and absorbing all this, I think we have a problem yeah. in terms of the the appeal of the value messages and I just remember. Suddenly feeling like, hey, I think I could do something about that because I was already getting into computers and I was into puppetry and I was into animation and I was into filmmaking. And so I kind of saw how they were making stuff and thought I could learn how to make stuff like that. But what if I can do it with, you know, basically Sunday morning messages instead of, you know, Saturday night is – partying all night messages, right? and that was really my sense of, okay, there's a way that I could do this, that I could fit into, you know, the framework of doing things for God with the gifts and the interests that God seems to have given me.
0: That's awesome, and I think this will be a good place to pause uh, for uh, a break. This is the Bible for Kids podcast, and we'll be right back with Phil Fisher.
2: Okay, favorite listeners, we are always giving something away— Free books. Yay. So to win, check out our instructions on Instagram and Facebook at The Bible for Kids. And just look for The Bible for Kids podcast at Google or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: We're back with Phil Vischer on The Bible for Kids podcast. And Phil, you were just talking about... um... Uh, you know, your exposure to MTV and the wonder of it all, and then putting that together with your uh, desire to to share the gospel and you know connect the pieces of storytelling and, and the gospel. Uh, so um, uh, maybe we can we can pick up for there from there and right. Amy, Amy has a question.
2: Right. Um, So, And you give yourself credit for puppetry and things like that, but there's obviously an element of writing to this as well. And when did you realize that you could write? Did that just come about out of necessity? But, um, you know, when did it occur to you, hey, I'm kind of good at this?
1: Yeah. uh, Grade school. I was in the little grade school plays that we would put on in class, and that was kind of fun. And then you'd have little writing projects, and I kind of got a kick out of those, and they came— relatively easily to me. I remember writing a letter to a friend. I'd had a little adventure with my little brother uh, where we went go-karting together and he had to write on my lap and it went poorly. (laughs) And I decided I was gonna write about that for my friend and I wrote like a three-page letter that when I read it to my family, I'm in fifth grade, I think, uh, so about 10 years old, 10, 11. When I read it to my family, they were all laughing out loud. Mm -hmm. And I just, I remember this buzz of oh yeah. that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but to write something that makes people laugh. And apparently, you know, I'm just a kid and I'm making grown ups laugh. Yeah. Maybe I I know how to do this. You know, maybe this is something that I'm good at. So I just I was writing little bits and pieces and, and films you know, all through high school, um, I, I remember writing a, a couple of projects in high school that were supposed to be serious. Like, pretend that you are, put yourself in the Middle Ages, and you're writing a diary. You know, you're a peasant in the Middle Ages, and my diary was a comedy piece.
2: That took some creativity.
1: Saying, this Really, I really enjoyed this, but I feel like I should not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So now, do you think? Um, well, because you've written in all different styles before, but um, I don't know if I've ever read anything from you that w- didn't have a, a, a big element of comedy to it. Even in your "Me, Myself, and Bob" book, which was you know kind of your um, yeah you know, autobiography, uh, you, you know, there it was just had a lot of uh, you know funny stuff in it. I mean, do, do you yeah. think you could write something completely serious?
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not very long. Maybe short.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: But it's just that's the way my brain is wired you know, to kind of look for the obtuse, to look for the you know twist that around and look at it from the other direction, from an unexpected direction, and that quite often comes out as humor. Yeah. So, and I think humor is so powerful in disarming people and and you know getting people to lower their defenses or winning them over to your side so that you have an audience to say something meaningful yeah uh you know one one of my big frustrations is all of the entertainment that is really funny but never ever says anything yeah you know where it's just it's just fluff it's just pure sugar with no no medicine no point um and i i just i can't write that either so i i can't be completely serious and i can't be purely comedic it, it has to be a mix for some reason or I just get frustrated
0: well yeah because then it just really feels impactful it kind of comes back to your mission to be able to um, you know to, to yeah. reach,
1: reach people with with you know something
0: that that you know is is true and powerful and and, and useful um,
1: if so. I'm if I'm going to reach the cannibals of Erie and Jaya, I <laughs> yeah. need both humor and
2: meaning.
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, and I love that. You know, I don't know if you if you recognize that in yourself, if you've ever as a writer or, uh, you know, a filmmaker have tried to be anything else um, and just, you know, recognize that. No, that that's not me. I can't do that. I remember when I was in. I I was uh, taking some art classes and, you know, and studying history. And I I really became enamored uh, with the notion of German expressionism, you know, which all this angsty thing. And when you're when you're in your 19, you know, when you're 19 or 20 or 21, you know, it's like that's when you want to be angsty. You want to be the angsty artist, you know. And I remember trying to to paint like that. And it just didn't work because I was just too happy. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm too cheerful to do this.
1: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, well, I, I. I used to work on this show called Veggie Tales. I don't know if you've <laughs> yeah, heard of it.
0: I have heard of it, yeah. And
1: there, the, it had stories that, you know, had meaning and taught something and had a really important point. But then there were these songs that they called silly that mm-hmm. were in the middle. And and I wrote the first one, but it was very random. Just a random song hit me. It was the Water Buffalo song, and it just hit me randomly. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's a song, and that's kind of funny. I'll make Larry sing it, and we'll call that a thing. And then everyone really liked that idea, so they wanted more and more and more. But it's really hard for me to write a song that doesn't teach anything.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 uh-huh,
1: yeah. It's silly. Mm-hmm. So my friend Mike, when I suggested, hey, could you try to write a silly song? And he came back with the hairbrush song. And I was like, wow, that's really silly. It doesn't teach anything. Someone asked me. I just had someone ask me, like, last week in an interview, that mm-hmm. they had their own theory about the theology that we were trying to get
0: across.
2: There's a sharing element to that, right? I gave yeah, it to the peach, because yeah, yeah. He's, he's got, got hair.
0: hair. Yeah. It,
1: well, I, it I was th- enforced sharing. He didn't want it. He
0: <laughs> <the hair> <laughs> well, and, and there may be elements of uh, the subconscious in there, too, you know, when you're when you're kind of dealing with, with a character and what makes a character funny and why a line is funny. You know, you're starting to, to to, to touch on things that are true. Yeah. So right. you can break yeah. that down. And yeah.
1: A, I just yeah. have, I have a hard time saying, just do something that that's silly um, because I'm usually, I'm always aiming for a point yeah. You know, yeah, a, yeah. at the end. And I just have a hard time motivating myself to be creative. If I don't know the, the point, you know, and so people think that I'm kind of uptight sometimes, like, would you just loosen up and just write for fun? Uh uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah. I just,
2: I don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) And we need all types, though, that that, um, you know, even just the juxtaposition of Bob and Larry or Mike and Phil, you know, that it works in such a magical way that.
1: um, Yeah, I actually had one of our one of our early employees was trying to figure out you know how mike and i were such good friends and he asked me one day and he said like mike is like a balloon that just kind of bounces around <laughs> from place, to place and he said and you are like your whole life comes down to one Point.
2: <laughs> so he's the okay. balloon, and you're the string. <laughs> there you go.
1: I guess. What? I don't know. Or I am the tack and I deflate him.
0: <laughs> I think I know who that friend might be. I'm venturing a guess, but you know, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I, won't, oh, say it all loud. The, I won't
1: say it out all loud. All yeah, no, just say it to yourself. And it's <laughs> yeah, to right. Exactly.
0: So, so apart from Veggie Tales, how many kids books have you written? Can you put a can you put a number on that? And do you have a favorite?
1: Oh, kids. Books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the my two that I wrote right after Veggie Tales were uh, Forty Seven Beavers on the Big Blue Sea, and then um, uh, Sydney and Norman: A Tale of Two Pigs. Yeah. Uh, one was very light, and one was very deep, but both have some humor in them. And then since then, I've written some books for my characters uh, Buck Denver and friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, four or five picture books with those guys. And then now a, uh, a children's uh, storybook Bible, but that's yeah. I think that's about
0: that's about it. Do you do you have a f- uh, could you could you have a favorite among those that you've written?
1: Um, Sydney and Norman is, is I tend to like it when I touch people's emotions even mm-hmm. more than I like it when I touch their funny bone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and both is the best of all. And yeah. and I've had people read Sydney and Norman by Sydney and Norman. Um, walk out to their car, read it in their car, and just break down in tears. Mm-hmm. you know and it's like that's when you can move someone like that that yeah. really means a lot. So that's probably the I feel like the most meaningful book I've written for kids. yeah um, and I know I know teachers in some some Christian schools that you know make sure they read that to their kids once a year, like like every year, yeah, and that's really, really cool.
2: And that teaches a lot about friendship, too, and kind of that balloon and string thing, too, just about... um, Well,
1: it's about how how we see each other and how God sees us. It's about, you know, it's the messy pig and then the very neat and tidy rule-following pig, and how how the rule-following pig looks down on the messy pig, and the messy pig looks down on the messy pig. And they both think, you know, the messy pig assumes God looks down on him, too, and the neat pig assumes that God thinks he's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> and they both, they both get a letter in the mail inviting them to visit with God. Because he just has a couple words to say to each of them. Yeah. it's like the shack'
0: it's the shack for kids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I put on the cover. <laughs> they have limited sales. <laughs>
0: and how so so in in your writing, between writing books and writing for animation, um, do, do you have a preference or does each have its own uh, its own allure to you?
1: Yeah, I would, I, I would probably have written more kids' books if I wasn't so terrifically fond of writing music. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and I can't figure out how to get a kid's book to play music.
0: But, <laughs> well, nowadays you know, with, you know, audiobooks and all a that. The sound chip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: so there's there's something about bringing together in a film visuals, uh, writing, and then an aud. Auto- experience, Musical experience. Yeah. That if I have the choice, I'll go there every time because I want to. I want to play with all of those things.
0: Well, and I know you're a little bit more of a of a mad scientist in terms of your creative process, and you you generally like uh, working uh, alone or in, in very small groups. Is that is that safe to say? And that, this is very safe. To say. <laughs> so animation animation is a little bit more of a team sport too. So I suppose uh, I, it yeah, is.
1: Yeah. I, but we have the Internet now, so <laughs> you can have a team without actually meeting any of them. <laughs>
0: and uh, so so is that what you're doing now with with the work that you're doing in animation? So you'll write it, you'll send it out, give feedback, uh, you know, just it, written it, notes, that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, it
1: depends on the project. I, I, I have a small in-house team of like three people right mm-hmm. now because yeah. um, I, I need to have an editor pretty close at hand uh, for working together with yeah. and there's just cause I also like the innovative part of animation that doesn't exist in kids book writing you know yeah. you can't really say wow we're really stretching the technological boundaries with this board book like no <laughs> it's a board book um but but with animation you can always you can look at new software you can look at new techniques and you can come up with a new character that uses them and I've always enjoyed that. That's where Bob and Larry came from, was looking at new technology and trying to figure out how to tell a story with it.
0: You're listening to the Bible for Kids podcast, and we've been speaking with Phil Vischer. Please make sure to tune into our next episode, and we'll continue our conversation with Phil. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to the Bible for Kids podcast with Amy Parker and Mike Noraki. Be sure to connect with the Bible for Kids on Instagram and Facebook and at Bibleforkids.com. The Bible for Kids podcast is part
2: of the Way Nation podcast network. Find more podcasts at waynation.com.